Happy Sunday to each one of you. Good to be at church this morning. Some people. Come on, good to be at church this morning. Come on, somebody. Excited. So good to be here today. So good to be with you all today. My name is Dave DeFrancesca, and my wife and I have the amazing privilege of pastoring this church and just seeing God do some amazing things among his people and people we don't know, people we look forward to meeting to, and people we have the opportunity to do life with as well. We had three people go through growth track last Sunday night. Come on, people, put your hands together. Let's celebrate. Three people became a part of the church and jumped onto our dream team. Speaking of our dream team, isn't it amazing that the dream team works so hard? They do so much. Our dream team is our core of our church and our volunteers who get together and do amazing things. They do the small groups. They do load-in. They do worship. They do kids. They take care of your babies for you in the back. Come on, can't you appreciate on somebody that takes care of our babies in the back? So we just love each person that's involved. If you would like to know more about it, if you're here for the first time, do us a favor and just fill out that orange Connect card there in the seat you're sitting in. You drop it in the back on the way out. You exchange it at our Next Steps table, and we'd love to give you a gift in exchange for that card. And we'll just send you an email and reach out to you this week and answer any questions of the boxes you check off on the back there as well. Speaking of our dream team, we have a dream team party next Sunday evening. When we party, we like to celebrate. We have a lot of fun. And so there will be a chili cook-off, and there's going to be a spoon tournament. And there's going to be a lot of fun at dream team party next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. So dream teamers, be there. If you're like, I didn't know there was a party, but I want to be at it, hey, come out to check out our dream team. You might want to join it. Welcome to be there, too. And we're going to celebrate and just have some fun that night as we watch a little bit of football as well. Uh, I think there may be um, um, some Astro fans here this morning. I got to get out ahead of this. I got to get out ahead of this. I realized that the other orange team lost yesterday, and so um, I know. You don't need to let me know. I saw it for myself. <laughs> Pastor James just sent me a text and said, I'm praying for you. And I was like, oh, thank you. Oh, really? Oh, I see. So, thank you for your condolences as we... Travel through this off season. Hey, having a great time. We are in a brand new, I'm not a brand new, we are in a series. It's not at all brand new. We've been in it for a minute. It's called Miracles, as you saw that bumper video run. And in this series, we've been talking about the great things that Jesus did, particularly the miracles that he saw in his life. And as we walk through these six weeks, we're in week number seven now, we've seen, we've unpacked a miracle each week that he did. We talked about the feeding of the 5,000. We talked about the, the woman with the bleeding disorder. Peter and Jesus walked on water. A man who was healed by the pool. Jesus healing a paralytic. And then last week, Jesus touching a man who was deaf and mute. And each miracle we talked about was not just about the miracle happening to the individual, but it was about the miracle maker. It was about Jesus being seen and known. But it's also about us believing for miracles that the same miracle-working God that did those, did those things years ago can do those things today as well. Come on, that the same miracle-working God, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may, will come and go, and yet he stays the same, and so we look to him for our lives, for our purpose. We had a situation arise this week where one of uh, our, just a beautiful member of our church, Jennifer Birch, out of nowhere discovered that she had a tumor on the left side of her brain Wednesday. And by Friday morning, she was rushed into surgery. And the church, we were praying for her. 
We laid hands on her. We believed God for a miracle. Can you imagine Jennifer? Most of you know her. Two small boys just going through life and having something like that rock your world that fast. And God touched her. And the doctor went in Friday morning, got everything out, gave a great report, said she'll be back on her feet. They got everything out. It was benign. And that she will have, uh, she'll have her speech and everything. They were worried about a lot of different things that would happen on the backside of it as well. But we thank God because he's still a miracle-working God, because he's still doing amazing things, and because he is still the one that we look to. Hey, you got to have somebody when life gets hard. When life gets challenging, when, you get th- when you're going through a storm, when all of a sudden everything is going against you, where do you go? Who do you turn to? And I love it that her faith was turned towards God because that is her foundation, and that's the one that she can look to. This morning, I want to ask you in your life, who do you turn to? When everything is going on in your world, where do you look for your hope? Where do you go for your strength when you have no more, when things have come against you? And I think that is a really good question we have to ask ourselves. I want to read one verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and then we're going to unpack a story. It's actually a story that Pastor Jessica touched on, or she spoke about, and as I am, it's a weird story, because we get a beginning, and we get an end, and in the middle of the story, we get the message that she preached on, so we've got to we're going to touch on it and just skip over it because she did a great job. So if you want to know more about that middle, you go back to week two of this series and you can listen to her unpack it. But in the middle of this, we see a man whose world has been shaken, who was not a follower of Jesus or a believer, and yet in that moment, he had to know where was he going to turn? What was he going to do? 2 Timothy 1.7, kind of the premise verse for this message this morning says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but read it with me, but of power and love and a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The spirit that God has gifted you and given you that comes from above is not one of fear. Jesus is about to say some really great words that we can live by in our message this morning. But he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. The sound mind means you can rationally think, means you can put to thought logical conclusions that whatever's going on is not causing anxiety and fear, terror in your mind. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for being so good. God, I thank you today that we have the opportunity to join together and learn about you. God, for each person that's here, for those watching online, I pray that you would unpack this today and we'd see it in the way we need to from you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, in this series, we've been able to pull out videos from the movie The Chosen. So check out our video this morning. We're going to dive into this story. You do miracles, right? You are a healer? Of more than just physical maladies, yes.
atheist. My daughter is dying. I'm so sorry. But come. Come and lay your hands on her. And she will live. this much faith that I can heal your daughter. I told you. Please. What is this? Jess, while you were gone. No. Why do I hear mourners and flutes? I said not to do that. She was sick. daughter passed away. We had to make arrangements quickly. No, no, I went to find the teacher. He was going to heal her. I know who you are. Let's not trouble him anymore. Michal is with Millie's box. No. No, I was getting Jesus. I went as fast as I could. Do not be afraid. Only believe. She will be well. Jairus. Jairus. Let's go in. Please stay here. We will she will be well. Stop it. I said stop. What are you doing? There's a girl. She's dead. Go away. For she isn't dead, but sleeping. <laughs> He said, she's only asleep. What a cruel thing to say. Do you know who you're talking to? If you were a member of the family, I would invite you in to see just how dead she is. What are you, a necromancer? Shame on you for saying such a ridiculous thing. Everyone out. You heard him. Boys, take everyone outside. Why? We were paid to play. Ah. You listen to me right now! Come, let's give them a moment. Michal. Where were you? I was finding this man. She is dead and you were gone. Why would you just leave us? Trust me. Please trust me and trust him. What? 
I love to see the visual, to follow along with the story. It doesn't replace the scripture. It just helps us get a visual for the story we're walking through in this series. And in this moment here, it's, just, it's crazy the way these two stories intertwine with each other. And I love because we can have a story about resurrection that is not just Easter Sunday only. Because we all need resurrection power in our lives each day. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope, not only on Easter Sunday or that weekend that falls in March or April when spring is starting to turn, but on every day of my life because there's things in your life that can be resurrected besides just our physical bodies. We've all experienced pain, sorrow. We've all walked through difficult, difficult circumstances. We've all lost something Maybe purpose, vision, relationship, something that the power of resurrection, the miracle of resurrection can speak to and can encourage me that it can come back to life again. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a mental condition. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's something that just burdens you on the inside and you feel like it's dead, it's gone, it's lost, it can't be fixed, it can't be improved upon, and I have to just deal with it. Easter, Easter and these resurrection stories tell us the resurrection of Jesus. And did you know he also resurrected three other people? This boy, this little girl, a little boy in a town called Nain, and then Lazarus. Jesus was showing he had the power over death. Come on. The power over death. Death is our greatest enemy. Death is the greatest fear that most people have. We all have fears. Some people have a fear of spiders. Come on. Where's my fear of spider people? You see those eight crazy legs running around? You are a thousand times bigger than that, and yet you will get on a chair to avoid spider. I may have a fear of heights. Get on top of the stage and like, I don't know, it's kind of high. Fear of snakes. 
I got both hands up. We all have fears. A fear of confined spaces. Woohoo, don't put me in a tight spot. Don't put me in a, in a situation where I feel like the walls are coming in. A fear, okay, now these two are go back and forth. So when I looked it up, these two, these last two are kind of the fears that are, they always fight. The fear of death and the fear of public speaking. The fear of death and the fear of public speaking. Some people say, well, I'm scared to death to speak in public. I guess they just combined both of them together. They just made a sandwich of the two. Fear is oftentimes, it's in our lives. Now, we read a scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And yet there are fears that oftentimes you make decisions and your life is led by them. So people have this fear of death. Fear of dying. I'm afraid to die. I'm afraid to let something go. I think it goes further than just physical death as well. I think it consumes a lot of our lives. We're afraid of letting something go, losing control of it, and it dies. We're afraid to just be, because it has, death has a finality to it. It's finished. It's over. It's challenging. But the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The, death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Come on. But we have the victory over death and the fear of death. So we don't have to be afraid of dying or things dying in our lives because we have a resurrected Savior because of the miracle. So three things. Let me give you three quick points I want you to write down, and we're going to unpack these this story. One, death does not have the final say. So your story isn't finished because Jesus still does resurrection miracles. Really simple, really easy. Death does not have the final say. The last word in your life is not given to death if you're a believer. For each believer in Jesus Christ, for every Christian that's walking this earth, for every person that's been redeemed and is in a relationship with God the Father, death does not have the last word in your life. That means your story isn't finished. Death does not have the final word, so your story isn't finished and something dies. Why? Because Jesus still does resurrection miracles because he still touches our lives and brings back to life those things that he has the final say on so we unpack the story we see something there's some similarities here we see a desperate dad and a dying daughter a desperate dad this man Jairus it was in our video that's in our story he is a, relig a religious leader at the local synagogue he is not supposed to go and listen to Jesus' teaching. He is not supposed to be one who would go and look to him, especially for a miracle. This type of behavior would have certainly got him put out of his situation and his, his, um, his uh, leadership capacity. Doing this would cause him to lose status in the community as well as his position. He is so desperate for his daughter to be healed, he's willing to go to the man that the Pharisees despise 
and hate to get his miracle. So in doing so, you, can, you have to feel his desperation. You have to feel his anguish. Feel what he is feeling as he is in this moment that his daughter is about to die. I want you to know this. One, Jesus is willing to go out of his way for you. If you could see behind the scenes of your life, you'd see Jesus goes out of his way for you. You think it was accidental? You think it was just because you have choices? You think it was because I just got my act together? Can we take the spotlight off of ourselves and make sure we put it back on God? That God reached down and he saved me. God pursued after me. My right choices and decisions are only because he was coming hard after me way before I thought about him and cared about him and wanted to live for him. He was willing to go to places for me and you way before he was invited there. Walking into parties with you, walking into places with you, walking into situations with you, walking into moments in your life going after you and pursuing you, and you're running as hard as you can from him. 1 John 4.19 reminds us, we love him because he first loved us. He's willing to go out of his way for you. Pick up our story in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, and a large crowd had gathered around him while he was at the lake. And one of the leaders there, Jairus, came to him. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her. Jesus, please come and put your hand on her so she will be healed and live. He has an understanding that if Jesus will put his hand on this girl, she will be healed and live. He is specific in his request. Be healed and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd followed her. Clearly, something had happened that Jairus believed Jesus had a power no one else had. And that if he would just lay his hands on this girl, his dying daughter, she would be resurrected. She would be healed. Now this, in the Bible, we have this this command, this doctrine, if you will, to lay hands on people. The Bible tells us to not forget about laying our hands on people, believing that just as Jesus... Now, many of Jesus' miracles happened because he laid hands. Now, some of them happened because he spoke it, and they happened. And some of them happened because... Most of them happened because he went and laid his hands. Last week, we saw him touch eyes and ears the mouth, because there's power in his touch. And we, I believe, as a church today in this day and age, have to remember that now we have a power in our lives if the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you and me, this resurrection power, that there's power when we agree and we touch and we find unity. We find scripture that enforces this. That one, that the laying on of hands is connected with impartation of gifts. That Paul wrote to Timothy and said, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you. He said, your whole purpose in life, the whole gift of God that's in you is there because I laid my hands on you. 
Timothy's mentor, Paul, had laid his hands on him. And through that physical act, power had transferred into Timothy's life and activated gifts. We see blessings. Blessings come when people would stretch out their hands and lay them. Matthew 19, 13 says the children were brought to him, to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Could you imagine your child actually sitting into the lap of physical Jesus and he lays his hand on your child and you're thinking, if you can do it, Jesus, you could touch that child. Imagine, just for a brief moment, how many children passed through this world and yet a few got to sit on Jesus' lap. We see that laying on of hands brings about works of healing. We talked about it. How many times when Jesus laid his hands, when the disciples laid their hands, when others would lay their hands following after what Jesus did, we see that. That is why we have a prayer team at the end of our service. That is why we have invite you to come down and receive prayer because we believe that as we pray for each other, maybe it's through holding hands, maybe it's putting a hand on your shoulder, maybe it's touching your forehead, whatever it looks like, however it occurs, it's because we believe in the scripture that power is transferred through a believer from God to an individual to find healing. We find these things enforced through the scripture. We also see that ordination comes so that many times people were put into a ministry position because they laid their hands on them. We did this in January as we ordained pastors into the ministry here at the avenue. And we came together and laid our hands for those gifts to come up and for uh, authority to be given to those individuals. And we see that the receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is also there in Acts 8, 17. The Spirit, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is transferred through the laying on of hands as well. Now you say, Dave, why are we talking about this this morning? Because it's sound doctrine teaching that we should each know. That the Bible, that the Bible writers in Hebrews believe that we should all have a proper understanding of why we lay hands. It's not just because, well, that's a certain denomination that does that. It's not just because, well, they, they're kind of a touchy-feely kind of church. Or it's not because, well, it's kind of a cool thing to do. No, it's because Scripture commands us to lay hands on the sick and they shall be made well. Jesus said, you will do greater things than me and told us by command how it could be done. So we believe it's more than just comfort, touch, feel, physical, emotional. It's actually power being transferred through somebody to somebody. So we see this. So this is what must be, this must be what Jairus knew. Jairus had an understanding. This this is what I want to happen to my daughter. I've seen you do this, Jesus. I need you to do this to her. But suddenly our story gets hijacked a little bit. In verse 25, Jesus has left to go with him, and a woman who was there has been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. And she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed and immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. 
Then at once Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered. Yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Pastor Jessica did a great job unpacking this message. But I couldn't just skip through it on my way to the end of this story. Because there's some, too many similarities in them. We see a lady that was sick for 12 years and we see a 12-year-old little girl. We see that the man says to Jesus, if you'll come and lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. And then we see a lady come along and this will blow your mind. This will mess with your theology. She comes along and she steals healing from Jesus. She hijacks Jesus. She has no permission. She has not asked and she has not gone to Jesus and said, would you touch me as we see everybody else do? She comes along with her own plan, her own concept, and her own idea. And she grabs a hold of just the bottom of his robe. And somehow, in that physical contact with touching his robe, Jesus feels power leave his body. And the lady feels healing hit hers. Pastor, we shouldn't be one of those churches where people are just, I feel that song. I felt that message. I think God created us to have emotions to feel his presence. We have literally the words right here in our story that Jesus felt power leave his body, and that lady felt healing come into hers. I pray that when God touches you, you feel it. I want to know when God touches me. I want to know that when I experience his presence, I can feel him in my actual body. That my spirit becomes so alive that my body on the outside senses it and feels it. I'm not worried about being all, oh, you're too emotional. You get too passionate. No, no. I want, to, I want my body to follow after what my spirit has already discovered that I will worship God. I will exalt him. I will lift him up. And I will seek after him for healing, for direction. Because my body is submitted to my spirit. And we see that this lady comes along. And she, without permission, steals healing. Jesus knew it. And he looked around and said, who, who touched me? Now think about it. The disciples gave a really good, a lot of times we mock the disciples, like, why did you say something stupid like that? But they had a really good response, because this crowd was thick. You ever been in a place where, like, you got that fear of too many people? Fear of tight spaces? Scholars believe it was, it was people everywhere. Like, they, Jesus had kind of been laying low. Jairus asked him to go. The disciples didn't know about it because they knew it would bring too much attention. And then Jesus goes, and this crowd just swarms around. And as he's moving along, there are people everywhere. And the disciples say, everybody's touching you. We're doing everything we can to get people back away from you so you can walk through this crowd and get to where you're going. And yet you say, who touched me? So what was the difference? 
Why is it if people are bumping into Jesus right and left, they did not feel power enter their body, and they did not experience healing that they may have been looking for as well? Why is it that only this one lady, to the point that Jesus felt everybody was touching her, I believe faith triggered her healing. Because they're all just walking around, walking through the crowd, waiting to see what he's going to do. They're watching and waiting to see what he will do, and she believed he could do it for her. So when you're in a crowded space, when you're in a room like this, and you're looking and you go, man, God, I need you to touch me. I believe you need to activate your faith to believe that God can do for you. Even though there's a lot of people, even though there's a lot going on, he can touch each one of us. He can heal each one of us. He can help each one of us. The miracle of resurrection can happen in our lives over and over and over by faith. And we believe for it. Because she said to herself, if I can just touch that part of his robe. i got to keep going. Verse 35. And while he was still speaking... Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead, and why bother the teacher anymore? And I think there's a lot of sarcasm in this. I think there's a lot of Jesus, don't worry about Jesus anymore. Overhearing, the word is actually more, better interpreted, ignoring what they said. Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. You should hold your finger down on your Bible, in your phone, and highlight it. You should draw a line under that in your paper Bible. You should memorize it and put it into your system. Do not be afraid, only believe. I believe that is Jesus' prescription for your fear this morning. Your uncertainty today, your anxiety you feel right now, do not be afraid, only believe. It just got worse. This desperate dad comes to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter is dying. I need you to come quickly, quickly, now, please. Jesus is going. All of a sudden, there's an interruption. This woman hijacks the situation, and because of it, the time has elapsed. Jesus doesn't get there in time. But I thought Jesus was always on time. Jesus, not this time. He gets there late. And this little girl is dead. And they said, don't bother coming anymore. She's dead. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. For some of you, you feel like the situation just got worse. I had faith. I was believing. And I got some hope because of this miracle series. And I just thought, and, and then I went to the doctor and the news got worse. I was believing for something, and I went and had a conversation. The news got worse. I really thought God was going to do something. I had an idea how he was going to do it. I had a plan. I was believing he was going to be the one. It's worse today in week number seven of our series than it was before we started this series. And some of y'all can't wait for this series to be over because you just feel like it's too late. Verse 37, so he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. 
they would hire people to come and mourn back then. They were paid mourners. So he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Man, that verse stands out to me. They laughed at Jesus. We still live in a world that would mock Jesus, that will laugh at you. You believe what? You do what? You go where? You give how much? How much time do you give to that church? How much of your life and energy do you devote back to God? You do what? You believe what? When was the last time you got laughed at for what you believe? When was the last time somebody just told you you're insane, you're crazy? That doesn't make any sense. They looked at Jesus and said, you're a fool. And they laughed at him. He put them all out. He took the child's father, mother, and the disciples who were with him, and they went into the, where the, the, the room where the little girl was. And he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately. Mark uses the word immediately 42 times in 16 chapters. He likes his word a lot. Mark gets to the point in his stories. Immediately, the little girl, there wasn't delay, there wasn't a lapse, there wasn't a, uh, she come around to it, it wasn't like the body took some time to warm back up. She was dead, and she is now alive. And immediately, the girl not only is alive, but she stands up, and she begins to walk around the room. And at this, they were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know and told them to get her something to eat. Why? Because Jesus is willing to do, Jesus is willing to go, Jesus is willing to be to you what nobody else is. Jesus, why are you going to go to this little girl? You're going to be late because he's willing to show up. And he is not late. He is just on time. Because we get to see a demonstration of resurrection power. And we have this story now to build our lives off of because he's willing to go to places nobody else is. Number two, Jesus is willing to do things for you that others won't. He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum. Well, what's the point of this? Well, simply because in Jewish custom, you don't touch dead people. The law of Moses said if you touch a dead body, for seven days you are unclean, burn your clothes, go outside the city, and live in isolation for seven days and bathe before you come back into the community. Jesus blows their mind because the power of touch transfers through his body. He breaks the law of Moses and he lays his hand on this little girl in a way he should not to show them I have power over death. Because Jesus is willing to touch things that other people aren't. There's an area in your life that nobody wants to get near. Maybe there's an area of your life that nobody knows what to say. An area of your life that you really don't even know how to deal with yourself. An area of your life that a lot of people, you know what, maybe see a therapist. You know what, maybe talk to one of the pastors. They might know. You come to one of the pastors and we're like, there's another pastor who's really good at that. 
Pastor James gets a lot of people sent to him. Let me just tell you this. Jesus is willing to do things for you that others won't and can't. He would touch her. He would deal with it. He would get into it. Because what you contact, you can control. And Jesus takes control of the situation. I love how we see Jesus control this scenario. I love the fact that Jesus is in complete control. Do you see that? I need you to see that. Do you see how he is in complete? He's not afraid. He's not fearful. He's not worried. He's not anxious. He is in control. I'm going to go with you. Kill your daughter. Let's go. This lady touched me. Who did it? The crowds are deep. I didn't know. The girl's dead. We're going to keep going. Do not be afraid. Only believe. They get to the room. People laugh at him, mock him. Mourners, he kicks them all out, taking control of the situation. You out, us in. Walks up to the little girl and touches a dead body. He's in complete control. You know we serve a very controlling God. Wow, that's not popular preaching right there. (laughs) We don't like to be controlled. Raise your hand if you like somebody telling you what to do, where to be, what to wear. No, it goes against everything inside of us. That is why when you come to Jesus, you've got to be ready. He wants to control. But in his control, we discover our meaning and our purpose. It's when we fully surrender. See, we'll use a term like that, like surrender. But my surrender is simply allowing you to have control. So I'm surrendered, submitted. I mean, we use this word surrendered. Surrendered is like I'm laying down my weapons. I'm giving up the fight. All of my plans for going against you are now void. No. Surrender. And you have control. Jesus takes control. And when he does, immediately the girl stands up because he doesn't just want to resurrect you. He wants to restore you. The power of resurrection is there in order that restoration would come into play. That he may restore. This is why resurrection is so important. Because not only does he want to bring back to life that thing, but he also wants to restore it back better than it was before. If you need a healing this morning, I believe he can not only heal it, He can restore it better than it was before. Do you have faith for that? Do you believe for that? That not only can Jesus restore, resurrect and heal, but he can restore. That he can bring life into your mortal body. Why? Because death does not have the final say. 
your story isn't finished and Jesus still does miracles. So for each one of us, he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So I want to pray that over you this morning, that he would reinstate and bring back into your life power, love, and a sound mind. You know what I see here? Power, the physical body. Love, the emotional body. A sound mind, the mental body. But we're made up of the spirit as well. But the spirit is brought back to life at salvation. And then these other parts have all been found and healed and touched and restored. Would you stand with me this morning? In just a moment, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down the front, as we do each Sunday. Because we believe for healing in the physical, in the spiritual, in the emotional, in the mental. In four areas that make us up for who we are. And if you need that first step this morning of salvation, why would you wait any longer? You know, the words of this song that we sing aren't words that just come together because they're just, they make a good little lyrical sound. They just sound good. It's because we believe them. Not because it's a popular song that other churches are singing, so we sing it too. It's because we believe it. That you can come alive today. Spiritually, come back to life. When you're born in this world, your spirit dies because we're born under the curse of sin. But when you meet Jesus and invite him into your life, he becomes your savior. Your spirit comes back to life. It is resurrected back to life. Now, you haven't gone to heaven yet. Your spirit man has come back to life because we're spirit, soul, body. But God's not done with you yet because he will still resurrect and bring to life and bring you power, love, and a sound mind. Power in your body to accomplish all that he has given you to do. Love for people that are unlovable. Love for your life when you feel unlovable. Love for a God that you have learned to love because he first loved you. And a sound mind that you don't have to follow fear, that you don't have to live in anxiety, that you do not any longer have to go after things that you have, oh, you know what? I'm scared of spiders and snakes. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of my kids going to school. I'm scared of going to this place. I'm scared of letting go. I am just afraid. We use these terms, and I believe God is trying to set people free from following fear. How? When you come alive in the name of Jesus. God, I pray this morning that you, you, Jesus, would do a resurrection miracle in our lives. You would touch people right now in this room, watching on a tablet, on a computer. You would touch us physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, 
wherever we need that touch, you would lay a hand deep in that place and do for us what only you can do. Power would be transferred through our body. We would come alive. Fear would go away. Anxiety would be lifted. Depression would be healed. God, I pray this morning that you would do a miracle, a resurrection in our lives. Somebody has lost dreams, given up hope, walked away from something. God, I pray today you would be more alive in our lives than we've ever experienced before. Let there be a seed of hope, of faith, that if we could just touch that bottom of your coat, you would do something that nobody else can do. Come on, church. Activate your faith. Just take a moment. Come on. Find some faith this morning. Begin believing again. You've given up hope for healing. God can heal. Jesus can restore. He does redeem. Come on. I feel like some of you are resisting it, but I'm telling you, you've got to push through the fear of being vulnerable and being again and get to a place where you go, I still believe healing people now because it's what you 
we still believe. Church, do not be afraid. Only believe. If you lost your job, relationship. Do not fear. Only believe. Maybe God has brought you out to bring you into something better. Maybe God will restore it. Do not fear. Only believe. God, I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and in lives. In this room right now, in this moment, with eyes closed, you can put your hands down. But if today is a day you just say, I need, I need to come back to life spiritually. I need to make a decision to come to Jesus and make him my Lord and Savior. Today is your day. By faith, that lady received something from Jesus everybody else missed out on. By faith, that little girl was brought back to life when nobody else could touch her. By faith, you can be saved in this moment right now. If that's you, we would love to pray this prayer with you and the miracle of salvation come into your life. Across this room, we're going to pray this prayer together. Pray it out loud. Pray it by faith. Say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Forgive all my sins. Make me new. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Do me a favor and put your hands together because I believe in celebrating and rejoicing and getting excited about what God's doing before we get reports.